Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Four years ago, I had the pleasure of working with renowned Harvard Business School professor Michael Porter, who, along with Dr. Elizabeth Teisberg, introduced the concept of value-based healthcare to the American public. The basic principles behind value-based care center on increasing value for patients by systematically measuring health outcomes and costs, restructuring provider organizations, and transitioning towards bundled payments. That model, introduced 16 years ago, has yet to be fully realized. But where are we in the process? What's being done to make that transition easier for providers who are already overburdened with administrative duties in addition to patient care? Hello, and welcome to DataPoint, the podcast about all the ways that innovation and technology are fueling positive change in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and today's guest is Tangina Shapiro, the Chief Operating Officer at Curation Health. Tangina has a fascinating background in global finance and development and nonprofit management and a real expertise in helping to manage deep organizational change. Join us today as Tangina walks through the latest in making value-based healthcare a reality today. Tangina, thank you so much for being with us on DataPoint today. Thank you for having me, Greg. I'm really eager to talk to you about Curation Health and the work that you're doing uh, to help organizations to navigate the value-based care space. But before we jump in there, I would love to give our listeners a little bit of a sense of who you are and where you came from. I'm wondering if you could give us not necessarily a, a CV dump, but maybe give us a walk through some milestones that pointed you towards Curation Health. Sure, happy to do so. Um, so as we were chatting before, I have a little bit of a non-conventional background. Um, I have a background in finance, and then I worked in international development at the World Bank, and then at a nonprofit AARP before I found my way into healthcare. Um, a little fun fact: I was employee number five at Curation Health, um, so pretty early on in our um, journey to launch a tech-enabled uh, solution that is geared towards simplifying clinical information and distilling the data into actionable insights and delivering it at the point of care. So hopefully we'll get to talk a little more about what we do. Uh, But prior to joining Curation, I actually uh, was at uh, Evalent Health leading their um, operations team for risk adjustment. And we launched about a dozen next generation ACO clients during my tenure there. Um, And the way that I got started in healthcare is that um, when I was doing my executive MBA, Um, I did a lot of reflection in terms of where I wanted to be and where did I want my career to go next. Um, Like I mentioned, I had a finance background and I started in investment banking, but six months into that, I realized that that was not the culture for me. Um, And then I was fortunate enough to be uh, contacted by AARP, where I spent a lot of time in their research, analytics, client success, and business development areas, specifically focusing towards the uh, end of my tenure there on understanding how boomer generation um, abuse technology and how they utilize technology to stay connected with friends and family. So that was where it sparked my interest to see how technology is transforming lives and uh, experiences for individuals. And so during my executive MBA, I ended up um, talking to quite a few people um, and understanding and learning the landscape of healthcare that led me to Evalent Health and then eventually to um, Curation Health. 
Fantastic. And that is such a fascinating background. I think we're probably going to come back to some of those experiences as we go through this discussion. But I'm really curious about, you mentioned you were employee number five at Curation Health. Tell me about what drew you in from a mission perspective there uh, to join an organization so early in its, uh, in its history. Yeah, absolutely. So um, at Avalon Health, a lot of what we did was um, help uh, move uh, clients to uh, uh, value-based care. And so um, one of the things that I I thought uh, that we could do better was um, being able to really understand the end user, in this case, which would be the physicians or the providers, and how they consume information. Um, A lot of the workflows that we had um, due to several challenges uh, with uh, some of our clients and some internal as well, we were not able to really um, support that type of a solution, uh, a tech-enabled solution. And so when I interviewed with our CEO and founder, Kevin Colleton, you know, I really liked the way that he described uh, what Curation Health is and how he envisions it. He also comes from uh, Clinovation and Advisory Board, and he had um, had the experience in building out a tech-only solution in his prior life as well. And so I, I just thought that it was a good marrying of both of our experiences in terms of how can we take this one step further? How can we put the physician as the centerpiece of the user experience? And how can we design a solution that will enable us to push this clinical insight at the point of care in the physician's EMR? Um, so that the physician does not have to take extra time to be able to do and act upon the insights that we're sending to them. So that was really the the impetus. And I had always been interested in um, in working in a, in a startup environment. Uh, it's, it's almost like a green space. And so you get to build while you fly. And um, one of the most rewarding aspects of, of working at Curation and, and alongside uh, uh, Kevin Colleton is the ability to build a really strong culture. It is it is really fascinating. And I want to take a teeny step back because I think a lot of our listeners probably live the world of value-based care every day. But for those who don't, we know that we've been in a migration for a, many years, at least 15 years, from a pure fee-for-service model into various flavors of value-based healthcare. From your perspective, Tangina, where are we on that journey uh, it seems like it's the new. It's been sort of captured the public's attention for a period of time, and then it'll wane and capture again. Mm-hmm. And where where are we in that process today, in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question. To your point, yes, value based care is. You can't say that it's new. It's been around for quite some time. The adoption is probably not uh, where we expected to see it, and I think that has to do with sort of the the change and the shift in paradigm that's necessary to adopt value-based care. So I think there's still, um, I think a lot of companies and and a lot of organizations, especially our partners who work with us, see it, get it, and understand it and are ready to move forward with it. But there are still uh, quite a few um, organizations and and fee-for-service and and, um, Kevin and our our chief medical officer, Dr. Lambert, will say that a lot of people are still in that fee-for-service world. And so transitioning to value-based care or, you know, maybe in some ways tiptoeing into that space is where we see a lot of our organizations are at. And so we're trying to figure out how best to accelerate that, whether it's through a tech-enabled solution um, that uh, in the tech services solution that we have, or whether it's in an advisory capacity for clients that are not fully ready to move into that space or need really a, a thorough uh, strategy and assessment to really understand how to take that first step in value-based care, we do have the ability to advise them in that in that capacity as well. So let's get into a little bit of nitty-gritty. What you've said 
is that uh, the solution that you're bringing to the table has a lot of physician centricity to it. And there's an implication there that there is an administrative burden uh, on the clinician, on the physician in value-based care that may or may not be present in fee-for-service. Can you speak a little bit more to what that administrative burden looks like? Why, why is that the case? Yeah, so I think in, in value-based care and uh, what we really focus on is risk adjustment. It's about making sure um, that you are capturing the right diagnosis code to paint the accurate picture of the patient. So oftentimes physicians and providers will say that, hey, I have, I have sick uh, patient population. You know, you need to be able to quantify how sick that patient population is. So risk adjustment and, uh, um, and the risk adjustment factor is a way to really um, capture that diagnosis and that level of specificity in terms of how sick is your patient, um, taking into account the comorbidities of the patient and the disease interactions to be able to paint the full picture, because that is what uh, CMS or the payers uh, will reimburse you on, is being able to understand how sick are your patients so that the next year when, when those allocations are being made, you are being, um, you know, being appropriately compensated for taking care of that patient. And that is fascinating. I'm sure that clinicians, uh, it, it isn't necessarily natural to their thinking as they are one-on-one in an exam room to be thinking that holistically around a patient's health, but it seems beneficial in the long run for everybody that they do so. Is that is that the case? That, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the case. I mean, if you think about your our individual selves, right, you know, if we if we focus on one aspect of our life, which is, you know, maybe work eight hours a week or something, or, you know, just if for athletes performance um, and, and doing a lot of um, workouts and things like that, you have to have a balance in life and you have to sort of make sure that you are focusing on all aspects of your life to to be able to um, get the most meaning. Um, healthcare and patient care is, is the same way. Physicians need to know and understand, you know, what are the signs and symptoms that this patient is experiencing? You know, if I'm a PCP that's treating this patient's condition, what are some of the other things that this patient is seeing a specialist for? I may not need to address those as comprehensively, but knowing what those uh, conditions are will help me to take better care of this patient that is sitting in front of me. Um, than if I did not know that information. And that's what we do at Curation is that we're taking a lot of um, data from a lot of different uh, sources and synthesizing that and putting it in front of a physician. Um, I talked a little bit about the tech-enabled solution. Uh, What we do is we surround the technology with resources on the front and the back end to help the physician be field supported. So on the front end, what we do is we have a pre-visit review that is done by nurses they're looking at the comprehensive data that our rules engine has identified. We all know that in healthcare, the data is incomplete and sometimes inaccurate. So just taking it out of the rules and putting it in front of the physician is really going to create more work and to your point, more administrative burden on the physician to be able to decipher what exactly am I looking at, what's right, what's wrong, what don't I disagree with. Having nurses review and do a comprehensive medical review of the chart and and identify where there may be opportunities to pick the right um, diagnosis code, pick the right disease interaction, pick the right level of specificity, gives that physician a, a, a peace of mind that somebody has already done that review and a clinical person has done that review. So I feel more comfortable just assessing these conditions that are presented in front of me, spend more time talking to the patient and interacting with the patient and not, you know, searching within my EMR. So that's the pre-visit side. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. And actually, that's a, it's a perfect time for us to take a quick break. We're going to be right back on Data Point with Tangina Shapiro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Thanks for listening to Data Point. I'm your host, Greg Matthews. We're here today with Tangina Shapiro from Curation Health. Tangina, before we went into the break, you were talking about the pre-visit uh, that happens with a nurse or, or another clinician before the physician actually gets in the room, which really allows them to ha- to come into uh, a, a session with a patient with confidence that they know what they are dealing with to be able to really go deep in the right places. I also saw on your website that there, uh, you can reduce physicians' documentation time for a, a visit by up to 10 minutes. I think that's the, the right statistic. Tell me about how that happens. What are the things that contribute to that? And then what are the implications of the physician having to spend so much less time per patient on documentation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, the way that we um, help with that documentation process is, as I was mentioning, that pre-visit review. If you have a diagnosis code and a supporting documentation of where that diagnosis code surfaced, what was the, you know, what was the underlying conditions, you know, if there is a lab result or if there is a uh, medication that is uh, contributing to that, has the patient been on that medication for some time, or is it an episodic thing? Having that level of clinical um, insight helps to contextualize that data and that diagnosis code for the provider. So as I was saying earlier, the provider doesn't have to look at a diagnosis code and and try to figure out where in the EMR is the evidence for this. We're already presenting that in a clinical, written in a clinically compliant way for the physician to be able to uh, act upon. And so they're able to, um, you know, quickly assess the patient for that diagnosis code. The the other piece of the workflow that we talk uh, we haven't talked about is the uh, post visit. So post visit, we are supporting providers with uh, pre visit uh, pre visit uh, sorry post visit uh, pre bill um, coding uh, services. And so what that does is that it is helping a provider to understand if they have captured the right diagnosis code and if there is something else that they have been missing. One of the things that we notice in risk adjustment is that a lot of the times the providers will miss a combination codes, which show the disease interactions. And so being able to have a coder inform the provider, it does two things. One, it fixes the diagnosis code before the bill goes out in a compliant fashion. And two, it also educates the provider so that the next time they see this type of uh, um, disease interaction, they know and understand how better to do the documentation as well. So um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a tech-enabled solution, but by um, surrounding um, the physician on the pre-visit and the post-visit side with this level of support enables them to take better care of patients. So one of the things that I'm really curious about is I know one of the issues that clinicians often are troubled by is uh, sort of the burden of administrative tasks, the burden of multiple layers of technology. Mm-hmm. When when a clinician, when a hospital, whomever adopts the curation health solution, is that another layer of technology they have to contend with? How does that relate to the EMR? Uh, tell me about how that impacts their workflow. 
Yeah, so uh, we really pride ourselves in making it easy for the provider. And so what we do, what we do is we integrate within the EMR. It can be in uh, in Epic, it's on the storyboard. Um, in um, Athena and other other um, EMRs, we're able to do it within the browser. So when you when you are looking at that patient uh, profile, the information is uh, surfaced right within that window. So that it, you don't have, as a physician, you don't have to go elsewhere to look for that information. It's as integrated as the EMRs will allow us to be, to be able to put that information in front of a physician. Fascinating. So it really makes it a part of that natural workflow where the EMR is the center uh, of that administrative portion. I, I love that. I, I'm really curious about the transition to value-based healthcare. Uh, we talked about, you know, just a few minutes ago, the fits and starts we've seen and some of the difficulties in moving from, you know, a deeply entrenched fee-for-service model and the structures that are inherent in that. Tell me about your experience, you know, at Curation, being able to move providers, let's say, let's take to enable them to make that transition more easily. What's your experience been like? Has it been, you know, implement the technology and boom, how does that, how does that work? How does that feel? Yeah, sadly, there is no easy button. <laughs> no, because at the end of the day, this is a, you know, yes, we can imp- implement a technology solution and we can surround them with the, these services. But at the end of the day, what uh, really drives it is the, is the change management. And, uh, you know, we always say that for in order for change to happen, physicians need to be a part of it. So a lot of what we do in our in, in our implementation phase, um, you know, is that we work with our, our partners to help understand who are the physician champions within that practice, within that network that can help, um, you know, clear, clarify and ma- make that message very clear to their peers as to what what it takes and what will it take to to get to value based care, the why behind it. And then what's in it for them, right? We also leverage our chief medical officer, Dr. Matt Lambert, quite heavily in terms of having this sort of like peer-to-peer, doc-to-doc discussion to help them understand, you know, what is the technology solution and what is value-based care and why are we moving in this direction? Um, and I think that that really works well to, to help our clients understand the, the need for the change to, to value-based care. So that's on the physician side. Um, then we... You know, in addition to what we do to support the, the, the physician workflow, we also need to make sure and empower the client uh, team to be able to do this on their own as well. So, you know, we do a lot of assessments to help understand, um, do, do their providers have some sort of a pre-visit workflow or a, or a daily huddle that they do? And how can we support that daily huddle, right? So when we do the, um, the work and the pre-visit curation, that is usually done about three to five days prior to a visit occurring. So if a physician wants to pre-chart the night before, they have the curation clinical insights in front of them. And so they're even more prepared when that patient comes in. If they have a workflow to work with their nurses and their MAs in the practice to see who's coming in and which patients are they, are they fee-for-service or value-based care patients, you can see if a physician has X number of fee-for-service and X number of uh, um, value-based care patients, they're getting more information, more insights, and are better prepared for the the VBC um, patients that they're going to see than their fee-for-service. So I think that also helps with that, um, that change and that adoption. It's really interesting because when you think about, you know, technology enabled solutions, a lot of people simply read that is, okay, I'm going to do a software implementation. Yes. But what you're describing sounds a lot more 
consultative in terms of really understanding your client's existing workflows, existing staffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about what are what are some of the things that actually can create a most successful implementation of this model, and how do you assess that? Uh, you know, how do you how do you make sure that you're offering the right solution uh, that incorporates all of those things? Yeah, so I think during the implementation phase, we do a lot of that discovery work. So uh, we are, um, you know, talking to um, different layers of within the organization because, you know, obviously the executives that have, um, you know, contracted with curation have a certain um, goal in mind. But then we also want to make sure that we're talking to the operators, we're talking to the data team. So we have a lot of coordinated work that goes into um, speaking with all of those individuals and understanding what is their process and their workflow today. And where does it need to shift in order to support this value-based care? So there's a, there's constant, as I mentioned, change management. We're we're doing that at every level of the organization, whether it's in the in their IT team, in their technical team, um, their data team, or their clinical and operations team. So we're we're kind of doing this sort of education and bringing them along in the journey to help them understand. What is going to take to be successful? Now, I will be honest, not every client is willing to sign up for that because change is hard. So sometimes we do have instances where um, clients will want to stay within their existing workflow and, um, and, and just plug in, as you say, a technology solution. And what we've found is that that doesn't often work because it's not just a technology platform that you plug in and, uh, and it works. It has to be surrounded by the right mindset and the right change process. So oftentimes, you know, we stumble across that. Clients start to realize that, yep, what we've been doing in the past is not going to work. This is a new paradigm and we need to do things differently. And usually um, with, with that um, mindset change, we're able to make that progression into, into a more uh, streamlined workflow. Fantastic. And it actually, it ties a little bit back to the work you were describing at AARP, really understanding what is it that it takes to make effective technology solutions Mm -hmm. among populations that don't necessarily adopt technology just because it's new and cool, right? So what what has that meant for curation? We were talking off mic a little bit about the fact that your sort of that consultative process had become a more core part of the business. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, we started or Kevin started this organization as a tech enabled solution um, that uh, integrates within the electronic medical record. What we are identifying as uh, as we talk to prospects is that some clients and prospects are uh, wanting to move into value based care, but they don't know how. And so for them, the technology piece is cool, but it's too early. So um, um, just a couple of months ago, we recently launched an advisory services um, unit within our organization. And what that group does is that we look at um, kind of meeting the client where they are. You know, what is where are they today in their fee for service world? What do they want to do in terms of moving into value based care? And what does that journey look like? So it's kind of everything that I've talked about, more of an in-depth analysis into their people process and technology and understanding uh, what would it need? uh, What would it take for them to to make that move? Um, We also do a lot of uh, consultative approach in terms of understanding some of the pair contracts that they may be involved with, how to structure those contracts so that it's beneficial to them as well. Um, And so those those all become sort of part of that uh, advisory services. And the goal is that once the client is, um, is aware of what it takes, and then they're also learning about the process it would take, then they would be more uh, uh, accepting of 
adopting a technology solution such as ourselves to enable them to move that uh, the needle on value-based care. And it totally makes sense. I guess I'm I'm really curious, and as we're closing out here, I'd like to talk a little bit about who your clients are. Are we talking about medical practices? Are we talking about hospitals? Are we talking about health systems? Who are who are the the, the people that can benefit the most from working with Curation Health? Yeah, so it's uh, sort of all of the above, right? So anybody, uh, anyone in the health space that is interested in moving into value-based care and moving a lot of their patients from a fee-for-service world into a value-based care world. So we work with health uh, health plans, um, health systems, IDNs, um, you know, specialty uh, care uh, facilities that are focused on particular disease states, but are looking at uh, doing more full, comprehensive in-home visits for their patients and not just focusing on the disease state like uh, chronic kidney disease or something like that, but then also holistically looking at what else does the patient need and how can we serve the patient better. Fantastic. Well, I am so grateful for you, Tangina. This time has gone very quickly. Thank you for coming and sharing your thoughts. I think the work that you're doing is really exciting to actually make some of that uh, future that we've all seen in value-based healthcare for all those years actually come into being in a way that's not disruptive, but actually that improves the the process, both for clinicians, for practices, and for patients. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the DataPoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time.